Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward. And I'm your other host, Kurt Flegel. The title of this episode is God's Secret Weapon. What is God's secret weapon? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. And joining us to help us unpack this idea is someone who I respect highly, and that is Walt Jameson. Well, thank you for being on the show with us. Glad to be here. So one of the things that we do, Walt, is really just have people share their stories, you know, their struggles. Like, what are some of the struggles that you've gone through in your life? And where has God revealed himself and who he is to you in that process? When I was a child, I was, that was back when I was right about 10 years old, I was diagnosed with ALL. Just to clarify for all of us, what is ALL? Acute lymphocytic leukemia. What does that mean? It is a blood cancer, actually, where basically what happens is you, you have these uh, mutated white cells that go in and take out all your red cells, and eventually you just can't live without enough red cells. ALL in 1968 was pretty much a death sentence. As a matter of fact, the the doctors told mom and dad that they might be able to keep me alive for two years. So that was really, really sad for mom um, and dad. But for me, uh, I was never told that I was going to die. I didn't know how really sick I was. I know I hated the uh, the chemotherapy and the various things we went through. So the chemo was going in, taking out as many cancer cells as possible, and then putting in new blood. Uh, at that time, they weren't doing the bone marrow transfusions. They hadn't even got into that thing yet. And uh, But just give me new blood. And I remember quite vividly the new blood, the red going in your arm. And then as I got over it and went into remission, I remember one of my first kind of awakenings was I found out, you know, that what I had. And then I found out the odds when I was an early teenager of what it was to make it at that point. I finally heard that at that time, 5% of the kids made it. So I was easy to figure out, you know, 95 kids out of 100 die. So that just made me look up and realize that somebody besides doctors were just watching over me. Wow, that's a huge deal. And looking back in my life and knowing who I am, I don't know what I'd have turned out to be without that kind of a board upside hit. It was just, it was just necessary. Man couldn't have done this. I mean, I had a lovely doctor, I had a wonderful doctor, but he didn't have any other kids that made it, but I did make it. So that was one kind of awakening, the percentages. Okay. And then I went ahead and went to camp, church camp, and, um, found out about Christ, started reading my Bible. And, you know, I came upon the verse, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Well, if you are in cancer, you're involved in cancer, you'll under you'll get the word remission. Remission is you either get remission or you, you die. And so um, I heard what that word was. And, and then when I seen the word in scripture and verses like the life is in the blood, I remember the blood going in my arm. So I see that God, he just literally gave me a transfusion. Of course, then we heard about the cross and what he did for us all there and what he did for me personally. So I accepted Christ in camp and uh, continued on learning and reading. So that verse just kind of became alive, very alive. So I really felt that God really done something for me. 
and I really appreciated that. So I, so um, that was the beginning, yeah, so to speak. And then understanding the disease just a little bit more that it took blood that wasn't cancerous to come in and overpower the cancer and take it out. And so that was what God did or I couldn't be alive. How did that connect with what Jesus did for you? What did you see in that comparison? Well, I really see. I mean, he's died on the cross and, and he's a human, but he's eternal God. And he's able to actually give the whole human race a transfusion in a, in a very real way. Practical object lessons have taught me a lot through life. And that was just an object lesson that in my own life that I lived through that he demonstrated that became real yeah that blows my mind because i mean that verse is not something that i would say has ever had a powerful connection with me personally and i i think you're right i think each of us have a, a uniqueness of a fingerprint that god wants to love us so we know it's him and, and we really get something personal out of it even some hard times and going through different things there's no way i could not know that god wasn't there for me are you saying that after that phenomenal moment that the rest of your life didn't go smooth? I can say that that's true. As a matter of fact, I remember when I was in my 20s, I, I wanted to uh, have a business and uh, felt like, you know, I went to school and did well and, and felt like it was time and thought I heard God say it was okay to have that. And three years later, I went bankrupt. And that was very, very devastating. Like, it was like feeling uh, abandoned. Where did I miss it? Talking to God was kind of a, a painful point, you know, because you think you hear something and you don't. But I really uh, went to reading more of the scripture after that. I want to see it in the word. I want to see it written down. I want to read the fine print. So you believed you heard from God when it came to starting this business. And then it all falls apart. Mm -hmm. Was there some kind of a, like adjustment period between when it fell apart to the time you decided to start reading scripture to really understand what God was truly saying to you, whether what was him and what wasn't him? Did that happen right away where you started reading scripture or was there a time where you're angry or and, and rebelling? When we tell our story, it's easy for us, I think, to to make it sound like it, it was an immediate transition. You're exactly right. No, it was a slow transition, to say the least. I was very angry for quite a while, and I felt betrayed, and, you know, and it was very, very painful. It was very, very shaming. I had never failed at something to that level. But the way, one thing that was really, really a turning point, too, was I, I, can't, I was working for another man in the same business, and... Uh, he had even helped me with some ideas and things on my own. And then he came out to my, my business location and sat down with me and said, um, said, hey, uh, if you want to come back to work with me, what you owe me, we'll just forget it. Wow. That was a major, massive lesson in grace. You mentioned like when you felt that sense of failure and there was shame, right? When the business falls apart. You know, one of the things that you say quite often is like the, the definition of shame is different than the definition of guilt. When guilt is speaking to us, we hear this message of you've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. But shame speaks a message that you are something wrong. Yeah. You are wrong in who mm -hmm. you are. 
where there are certain specific things that shame from the failure of the business was speaking to you about your identity. It was saying that I was a failure. And the fact is, I, I would like to say, as I was raised, that we were raised in a, a good work ethic and quality of doing your work was just a big, big deal, you know. And I think God was using some of that to work it out of me. Shortly after I, I, before I got sick, there was a gentleman that worked on our farm that we all loved. He's about 22 years old on equipment and stuff like that. It's not forgiving. So he accidentally fell into this machine and it, and it did take his life. Wow. And, uh, and so mistakes were just like death. And so um, I think that put into me, a bad idea that mistakes are so bad, you know, that you just can't, you can't make it. <laughs> and of course, this was so big to me. I hurt some of the people I loved, cared about, uh, some of the vendors, some of the people that we did business with, longtime friends. But I think what God was doing in hindsight and is he was trying to get out of me a works type based life. He has got a free gift that nobody can earn, but that's what makes love so wonderful. It's not a workspace thing you can do. And work was really, really ingrained in my life. Well, it sounds like it was also emphasized by that failure. So you have this double whammy of someone that you and your family care about who makes a mistake and dies, right? So mistakes right. and failure are death. Yeah. And then you have this experience of now finding out that what fulfills you is making other people happy and mm -hmm. your business fails, it dies, that's the death. And then it has an effect on all these other people. So how did that affect your spiritual walk? You mentioned a little bit of legalism, like that work-based mentality. How did it infect infect and affect your spiritual journey you know how did that affect you how did that affect the people around you there was some real damage i did to my family and my kids and stuff like that trying to hold them to a, a standard until i realized that god was trying to get me released from that and not trying to make it so hard on me i just think that god wants us to live a lot more on his work than on our own work Writing on grace and mercy and love is is a freedom. He's got freedom for us. And then serving him is much more of a love instead of fear. Fear versus of making a mistake versus knowing that if you just rest and relax, you're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, everything's going to work out. What I'm hearing is that there is this anger that you had that expressed itself when there was failure either on your end or in your kids or your wife, you, you expressed a lot of anger during that period. Yes. Was, was that because you felt when you failed that God was angry at you? I don't feel like I had the personal grace from him. You know, I kind of felt like, yeah, he was ready to play whack-a-mole or something. Uh, you know, if you messed up, you got to get fixed. That's some of the stuff that gets in your head, but that's not really the way God has turned out to be to me at all now. There's one incident that helped me change a lot. Because of that anger, one of my uh, children left early, 
and was, uh, you know, very upset. He told me sometimes, Dad, it's your way or the highway. And, you know, that's just, you know, and that's not God either. So we kind of shamed him and just kind of cut him off, dude. And that was just totally wrong. But anyway, what happened is he called me one night about three o'clock in the morning. And typically that would have been plenty of fuel to let me start unloading on him about being disrespectful and using language and so forth and so on. But I was so glad that he called me. God had been working on me all that time. And so he called me and he talked to me quite roughly for quite some time. And at the end of that conversation, I remember I said, well, son, I still love you. I even wrote a song about him leaving me because it just hurt my heart so badly because I loved him so much. And now that our relationship has been mended and it was quite some time ago, he, he, he said something had changed in me that he, it was attractive. He said, I, I thought you were going to, you were dying and you weren't telling me. You're kind of really reemphasizing something that, that God has revealed to me over the last few years, you know, is that whatever we're receiving or think we're receiving from God is what we reflect to others. So when you were receiving this sense that God was angry with you, that you were a failure, and he was angry about that, that you were reflecting that. And it came from the sense of shame. And so you were reflecting a sense of shame and shaming other people, including your kids. Now you just tell us the story of how you reflected love to your son when he was ripping you a new one, right? Right. Where was the moment, the real pivotal moments where you began to see God in a different light from anger to love? There had to be some experiences you had that really opened your eyes and and took that veil, that false impression of God from off your mind. So my kids probably have taught me more than I have ever going to teach them. I have a daughter who's a, a spiritual leader, and but she saw a couple books and I respected them. So I went ahead and read them. And one was called Bondage Breaker. Part of it was you can imagine God being able to travel with you through all time and eternity. He's not bound through time and eternity. And he traveled with you through these things and these bad things that happened to you. He didn't want them to happen to you. But if you could go back and understand that he wanted to he wanted to take that abuse or that bad thing that happened to you and take that to the cross so you could get free from it. That started to resonate with me. And uh, one verse that was really eye-opening, and, and that was Jesus was the propitiation of the substitution. That's an old word. Substitution for our sins, but not for our sins, only but for the sins for the whole world. And then it made the connection. He brought that connection to me. That, that Does that mean not only for what you've done, but what others have done to you too? So you can let it all go. And that was like a freedom, God releasing me. I felt very loved by that, you know. And so I was able to let go of a lot of things that had happened to me, uh, a lot of things I had done. And I just felt this buoyance more of being loved and freedom. And so that was able to help me get free of that. And it was able to help be be fuller myself and then demonstrate it in that respect to my son. And I think that is um, the thing I've been learning what, about love is it, it basically, it's kind of like the chemotherapy for the world. It can separate from you what, what's not God 
render under Caesar the things that are Caesar and the things that are God, the things that are God's. And so there are things that are not God's and he wants them out of us and that anger and that, you know, that stuff like that. He said that love, right, was like chemo treatment, like um, a transfusion mm-hmm. of clean blood that cleansed your sick body of these impurities and the cancer that was killing you you just equated god's love as the thing that he wants to give that can actually be that transfusion that cleanses us from all these impurities of shame and anger and so we said in the beginning what is god's secret weapon and and what you just shared was god's secret weapon is love the, the, the best way I could describe it is I've always been concerned about quantities of things, you know, and I, that was always, you know, I was always concerned of running out of everything. I broke the last straw. I just ran out. God's going to zap me, you know, and that, but that's not, that's not who he is. He can't even do that. You know, what I realized is that, you know, love and all those kind of things, that's God and evil is not God. No evil is God. God has no evil in him. And evil is smaller than his goodness. Mm. Evil is less. You know, if there's a scripture, read the word and be washed by the word. You know, if you wash your hands, it takes more water to wash off all the dirt, but there's more water available. Mm. And so if I will stay attached and in his presence and in his connection, you know, abiding in him more, he will flow through all that I need. And the relationship starts, I think, when we allow him to love us. That's it, right? That's we, it. We have to allow it. First off, we're afraid of him, so we go hide like we did in the garden. And we run from him. And, and we don't want to admit we did anything wrong because we're going to get zapped. But if we go to God and just can just get transparent and real, and then he shows us more who he really is, that his love is bigger than my sin and any sin that's been done to me. I'm living proof. Yeah. His love is infinite. Yeah. That's the characteristic of God that's so powerful. His love is infinite. And evil in this world is actually a product of what's temporary, right? The world has a beginning and an end, which means all it can offer at the end of the day is something that's temporary, which has an end. And the ending is death. If the world and all the evil in it is temporary, that means it's finite. And so what you're saying is God's infinite love is bigger and more available to us to wash away the stuff that's smaller. Exactly. That was like amazing to me that he's that much bigger. Yeah. God's infinite unconditional love is the secret weapon that has changed us. God has got infinite love for me. That means I can't outgive him. So I can give love to other people and bless them without needing anything back from them. And so nope. when I, I, I walk through my neighborhoods at yeah. times and we go and to look for people to bless and pray for. When I go out though, and I do that from that place of just wanting to bless people, I go, how can I pray for you? This is a typical response. It's like, oh, you know, let's not waste God's time. I guess what they're saying is they have that viewpoint that God's love for them and his attention and his presence in their life is limited. I agree with you. That's not where the kingdom's at. And so now as we get flooded with his love, you know, the kingdom is in the extra mile. 
And, you know, people to hear that, you know, in the beginning goes, man, I'm so tired from trying to walk the first mile. Why do I want to try to, you're trying to lay on me. I got to walk a second mile, you know. I don't want people, I don't want people to take it that way. But that's, that's obligation. That's obligation. But you can't do that obligation. You can only do it when you're filled with love. Letting him love you first at the proper time and the proper way. Little by little, you grow in this love. You don't have to do it all in a day. You know, it doesn't happen a day. Like say, we're trying to summarize things in a few short minutes. I'm 64 years old. This has been a long journey. Yeah, we're finite creatures and God's a God of infinite love. So it takes time for us to let that soak in. It takes time for us to receive it, to let it wash away all of those preconceptions of him that we have been carrying all of our lives. The, the identity that we've held to him being this judgmental, condemning God that the enemy loves to infuse into our psyche, it takes time for God to prove that he's otherwise and for us to be open and receptive to his love. And, and little by little, as he proves himself to be a God of infinite, unconditional love, mm-hmm. it softens us and it makes us receptive. And the more receptive we, come, we become, the more we overflow with his love and give it away to other people. Right. And I think an element has really helped me, uh, you know, with uh, been involved with this ministry, Casey Underground, and they talk about soul care. And they don't want to send out a missionary without a soul being filled itself first. And so that takes time to work through some of these issues that we have some of these misconceptions about God so that you can get that healed and you can go out full and joyful. And I tell you, I've never experienced so much joy in the last few years of my life. And you can't do that without that connection. And uh, he wants to make that connection with everybody. And it happens little by little in the way that he's designed just for you. The critical thing that you said earlier is we have to let him. Right. That's, that's the critical thing. We have to let him in. We have to open the door of our heart, even as believers. I totally agree with you there. And I think there's a word that we've used before. We're not human doers, we're human beings. And when God made us, he made us to be with him. We follow him in what he's doing. We join him in what he's doing. And he's going to show us above all we can ask or think. I'm disappointed sometimes in things i think i should have had like that that business but he had something better for me all along Mm. what i've been in now and fix who i am better than that did he's got bigger plans and so sometimes when i'm disappointed he's got something 10 times better yeah it's that we do this with kids all the time don't we like little kids hold on to things that are not healthy for them the analogy i have is a kid pulling this nasty dirty penny out from under the fridge that's got all that that scum that's been sitting under the refrigerator for years, right? And that kid is holding on to that scummy penny and you're trying to get them to let it go. And they're freaking out and have, you know, throwing a total temper tantrum. And once you finally get it away from them, you know, as a good parent, you give them something else like a lollipop, right? Yeah. And sometimes we misunderstand God's intentions in his infinite love, he's actually taking things away from us that are bad or even just good to give us great things. I, I love that. Every human's made in the image of God. 
but we've been scarred and marred and he wants to heal those scars to bring us back to fully redeem human beings. Well, that's kind of the idea of redemption, isn't it? Yeah. The idea of redemption is like we, when we go to like Chuck E. Cheese, right? There's the redemption center where you go and you play all these fun games and they give you just paper tickets. Yeah. And then you take those paper tickets and you redeem them. They're worthless really on their own. The paper tickets are worthless, but you take them and you redeem them for prizes. At least as a kid, all these prizes and candy that's sitting there that you can turn in these tickets and redeem them for something better. And that is the whole idea of redemption is all of the things that God is taking away from us that we don't want to let go and we hold on to so fiercely, we find out those things were actually harmful to us and dangerous for us that we're fighting to hold on to rather than let God allow God to take them because he has in his love for us, infinite unconditional love his intentions are to, to redeem all those things with something way better oh yeah and like my son our relationship now is so tight you know even with my mistakes my but my that relationship's redeemed and it's stronger and it's better and it's more beautiful than it was maybe if it never happened i don't know but um, god's love's just crazy good you know it's just crazy good and uh, i know all the souls that have been wounded by all these emotional things and things that's happened. He wants to heal those things. Let Jesus love you. Start to hear his voice and just follow him in his voice one step at a time. Because his love never fails. Of all the things in the scripture too, probably three of my favorite words are love never fails. It looks like it sometimes. It feels like it. There's a lot of people saying it does, you know, but it, it doesn't. And that's God. Love is my God, and God is my love. Wow, that's that, a great yeah. statement. Say that again. Love is my God, and God is my love. And another name for that is Jesus. Hmm. Kim, I, I really want to hear what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite definition for redemption, and the one that um, God always uh, puts heavy on my heart, which is to redeem something is to buy back something that was already yours. Yes. And I think sometimes when we talk about redemption or salvation in general, we there's kind of like, oh, God's just tolerating us. And he felt like he had to do this. And there's this kind of sense of, oh, well, we don't really belong to God. And the beauty of redemption is you can't redeem something you never owned, you know? And God's like, no, no, I'm buying back what was mine to begin with. I created you to belong to me. You know, you were already my kid. You just had to make the choice to accept that. I just love that that part of it for sure. It's always been my favorite. It uh, definitely showed me my lack. So he redeemed that from my life too, even though I couldn't. That's what Jesus says though, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it is when I really accept my, well, when I'm really aware of my lack and I accept my finiteness and that I have a lack, that okay. that's the point I'm willing to open up and receive God's infinite love to wash over me. I totally agree. And I think one thing in the garden that he's pointed out to me and, you know, after all these years is, you know, the, the Satan said we could be like God. When I give that a shot enough years, I don't, I don't, I know he can be a better God to me than I can be. So I'm done. 
I don't want to be that no more. I still give it a shot once in a while, but I don't want to do that. I'm going to let dad supply the limits that I have and be less afraid of the limits and go to say, hey, dad, what do you got planned here on this deal? I don't know. And he has just been totally faithful in my life, even when I thought he wasn't going to be. Let Jesus love you first. Uh, I think we all thought that John disciple was, it was weird for him to say this was the disciple that Jesus loved. And he's writing about himself. He deliberately did that. Old John was a son of thunder once upon a time. And he let Jesus love him first. It's good that you said he was the son of thunder because that nickname came from a place of anger and wrath, right? Exactly. And then he didn't call himself the one who loved Jesus. He called himself the one that Jesus loved. Exactly. It's not an arrogant statement for him to say, I'm the one that Jesus loved. It's, it's the statement of humility and surrender to let Jesus love him. Yes. I was just like that son of thunder for a while, but I want to be more like he is now through letting Jesus love on me every day, letting him build you up and heal you up and fill you up. And I, I don't ever want to go back. Kim, I know you have more than that. I mean, it was encouraging for me to hear um, about your, what was your daughter and the impact, the spiritual impact she's had, you know, on your family, because that's kind of the boat I'm in <laughs> to a certain extent. So that was certainly very encouraging for me to just, just to hear that from a parent's perspective. You know, we grew up going to church, but definitely see a lot of the performance you know, failure wasn't really an acceptable option. So um, that's definitely been something I recognize. I'm like, oh, yeah, God's been working on that for me for sure, too. So I was like, oh, that's just really encouraging to hear. It's encouraging for you to hear that you as the daughter, just as, as Walt's daughter, you get to be that influence of love on the rest of the family. Is that what you're saying, Kim? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's almost like having permission. <laughs> yeah. I could honestly say that my daughter probably has been like Esther sometimes when she had to approach the grouchy old king you know? <laughs> and she was able to just put me at peace. Uh, I'll give you the one story that when she was born, the first, this was the first child and I have to tell it because I tell her brothers, you know, she hadn't come first like this. You guys might not be here, but what the deal is, is that when she was born, I was not wanting to have kids. I was, I was looking for this new child to be born, a squealing, squalling, crying kid. But when she was born, after many hours of labor, hard labor with my wife, she did not make a sound. It was like her guardian angel told her, don't let her cry or she won't take her home. Oh, man. <laughs> but honestly, she didn't make a peep. Eyes popped open and she was like, she was happy from the word go. And she, my crust on my heart was so melted there was a thick crust just and i couldn't do anything but but love her mm. god has sent blessings my kids are my blessings we had six grandkids blessing upon blessing as kim said the idea of redemption is that you don't redeem something that wasn't yours right so god redeemed us because we are his and even in your story you talked about how you always loved your kids but you didn't know how to show it. So you were, from a young age, you were beginning to receive God's love and reflect it a little bit. And you felt it inside, but you didn't know how to express it until you allowed God 
to express it to you. And it took time, but it is that process that that's the secret weapon. God's love is his secret weapon. And the more we let him in to love us, the more that we, we overflow with that love and we know how to express it in the way he's expressed it to us. And it, and it washes all the junk, even the junk that we have laid on our kids from in our inability to know how to love them. It redeems that stuff. Amazing. It does. It just rolls out of you then without effort because it's a God love. I'll never cease to be amazed at what love can do. Well, based on, on what you just said, Kim, as the oldest daughter in your family, and you're resonating with Walt's story, will you pray blessings on Walt and his family and on everyone listening to this? Dad, thank you that we didn't have to seek you out first. Father, from the beginning, you've been pursuing us. You said it best. We love because you loved us first. Dad, I just ask for everyone listening and for Walt and his family, for all of us, that we would just experience more and more and more of the height, the breadth, the width, and the depth of your love. Because that is honestly the crux of everything. We stand or fall on our ability to experience your love. Dad, thank you that it's not something we have to figure out, though that you simply invite us to open our hands and receive from you. Thank you that we can trust you, that you are a good God. You are always good. Even when we don't see it or feel it or understand it, your truth of who you are always prevails. And you are love. And you love well. Dad, thank you for this time. Thank you for, for all the hearts that you are touching, Father, for all the wounds that you are healing and for all the chains and bonds that you are breaking, because that is who you are. You are the one who makes a way for us when we see no way. Thank you that we can just rest and be your kids and enjoy who you are. Dad, I just ask more and more that we would just rest, that we would just learn to be with you and to receive from you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Kim, while you were praying, something just popped in my mind. While as the parent, you you loved your kids, but you didn't know how to express it. And then your daughter through that book showed you God's love and her love for you. And you received it through your daughter. Yeah. And that allowed you to love your kids back in the way that you always wanted to. There it is. The letting God's love in came through her. She had a way to my heart. I love my boys. Don't, don't get me wrong. I have one favorite daughter, but I have five favorite sons. And I'll, I know my heart's big enough. Now God has made it that they can all be favorites. Every mm-hmm. single one of them. Yeah, that's awesome. Their blessings, children's are blessings. And, uh, and every one of mine have been a blessing. Well, you've been a blessing to us, Walt, today. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on and just being honest about your struggles and it's hard to talk about failures as a, a parent. You know, that's a really tough issue. Yep. Tough to talk about how we've struggled with loving our kids and loving ourselves. And thank you for just being so honest. Well, thank you for this opportunity. I never know what God's going to do next. So I want to love people the way he's loved me. And so if this is a way to do it, I'm totally willing. Well, you've been a huge blessing to me. And you have too. Uh, you're doing a, a good work here trying to really spread the love of Jesus. And so it's very encouraging. 
Just love it. Thank you, Walt. Yeah. Y'all be blessed. Love y'all. You too. You too. You too. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Life Hurts, God Heals. Before you go, let me ask you a question. Are you stuck in any way in your life? Whether it's being stuck in past wounds that you can't seem to get over, or whether it's just being stuck in certain patterns of thinking and behaving now that you just can't seem to get past, or you feel stuck when it comes to the future, you want to know what God has for you and how to move into that. Well, let me help you with that. As a coach, my goal is to help you discover who God made you to be. What is your unique identity? Let me help you discover that because everything else you want out of life flows from that. If you're interested in having a consultation with me, you can reach me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. Until next time, remember... You are God's beloved, so be loved.